I'm the best in the world at what I do. I've been the best since day one. On this microphone, in the booth, in my bed, I live it. I breathe it. I am it. Welcome to the Soldier. Chocolate Deluxe, even round the way, Dottie's are getting fucked. Now get the hell out of my truck, you dirty smut. Donnie O. Best in the world at what the fuck I do. people welcome to another edition of the saucy thoughts of donnie Ooh podcast featuring the one and only donnie Ooh. best of what and what he does currently i am in my humble abode 
I'm in the studio where dreams are made of. I'm laying exactly where dreams have been created. Has has no life hasn't been created on on this bed yet. No. Anyway, yeah, I'm speaking to you from my humble abode. So if you hear any background noise, if you hear this loud fan in the background, it's because it's like 85 degrees. It's Memorial Day. Happy Memorial Day. And it's about to be 95 tomorrow. So it's going to be more like the baked apple. But I digress. Yes, yes, yes. What's going on, y'all? What do I have on deck this week? Various, various amounts of things that I need to spew. First and foremost, on a very serious note, because I did not mention it in my last two episodes, probably because I was recovering my damn self. But no way, no how am I putting myself on the same plateau as what I'm about to say. Um, prayers go out to the victims of shootings last week, last weekend. First, the shooting in Buffalo in the supermarket in East Buffalo where right now as we speak they're dealing with some hardship not only because of the people that got murdered people that got maimed in the name of white supremacy just that one we try not to get we try not to be numb to this right you know i i i will say myself there are times or especially more times than not lately that i have become numb to it but we can't become numb to it because if we come numb to it then it just gets worse i mean bad enough this has been an ongoing theme for my lifetime and I'll be 46 in a couple months. Bad enough that of all the outrage, you still had like the lunatic fringe 10 years ago with Sandy hooks. People still saying there was a fucking, you know, a photo op, a psyop, some bullshit. It was, it, it was, a, it wasn't real. You would think something would have changed. But yet here we are. But what I was about to say was when I read, when I heard about the murder that happened in Buffalo and I was getting all the details, I'm like, oh shit. Yours truly lived in Buffalo for about six months in his childhood. I was approximately three blocks away from old War Memorial Stadium, where the Bills used to play years ago before they went into Orchard Park, which is a suburb of Buffalo. 
moved up there for six months. I think I was like 12, 11, 12. The, the massacre that happened was maybe about 20 minutes from there. When I heard Jefferson Street, I'm like, darn, that rings a bell. So I go to my Googles and I Google map it. Because I knew where the stadium was and I knew where I lived. So I Google mapped the stadium, which is the park now. And I went, I'm like, okay, darn, the store's still there. And then I tracked down Jefferson Street and yeah. I was watching Brother from Another last week and they had a news reporter from Buffalo. And she stated that, especially in that area right now, it's a food desert. A lot of those people got there by public transportation or walked. And that was the only big supermarket in that area. Remember, if you live, you know, if you live in a city, and especially such as myself, I, I, you know, I live in the city. I live in Brooklyn. I got corner stores all over the place. Bodegas, if you will. So at any given time, until about 3, 4 o'clock in the morning, I can walk to the store and get something to eat if I really need be. I can walk to the store and get something to drink. I can walk to the store and get some toilet tissue to wipe my ass. Every place is not like that. This place in particular. The shooter scouted that place. He knew exactly what the fuck was the deal. He knew there was no there was no easy route of escape. So now it's going to take months for them to really open that store back up. So for at least the summer, where are these people supposed to go? How are they supposed to get there? I know there's a will, there's a way, but still. This was so intricate because on the surface you just think of shooting. No, this was this was something that will affect the community for months and dare I say years to come. And this is me speaking in third person. This is me speaking for someone who doesn't who doesn't have intimate knowledge. But this is just I'm speaking on my feelings. Of course, you know. Then you have the cavalcade of fucking politicians marching up there, the president, the governor, senators, saying, oh, I thoughts and prayers are with y'all. This is such a tragedy. But yet this tragedy keeps on happening over and over and over again. I don't see no fucking laws being enacted right now. No hate crime law being enacted right now. Hint, hint. But I digress. So, but with all this talk, there needs to be action. What the fuck are you doing now? Are you going to have, are you going to pour resources into that fucking community to make sure people can eat on a day-to-day and not have to worry about going to the soup kitchen? Not to worry about going to the pantry. They got money. They want to spend it. They just can't, they, they can't get to the fucking place to spend it. I mean, I'm quite sure if you dig into those deep dig, 
dig deep into those pockets, you can find some funds. I mean, shoot, you have 40 billion to send overseas, right? What's really going to be done? Who knows? Hopefully, more more people care. Didn't seem like, didn't seem. I mean, then then it seems. Then you had the tragedy down in Texas. You didn't have five different stories come out in six different days. But the gist of it is, cops were there. And they were afraid to go in. And meanwhile, 19, 20 casualties, 20 victims. Killed, dead, shot, dead, shredded up. The stories of p police officers going in to get their own children. Get the fuck out of Dodge. You have, you spend all, and, and, don't get this misconstrued. I am not really totally anti-police because there needs to be law and order. But if you put all these resources into your police departments and the one time a legitimate fucking emergency where all that, all that firepower that you have on deck can be used at your discretion and you choose not to use it. Why? Because you're afraid? That's the job you signed up for. Listen, I don't want to get shot. I don't want to get stabbed. I don't like confrontation. So guess what the fuck I'm not? A police officer, a soldier. Shit ain't for me. I got small hands. I got soft hands. These hands weren't made for one-on-one -on -one combat. These hands were made for loving. But I know my role, I know my lane, and I stay there. But it's easy for y'all to, you know, which go bull guard somebody on a traffic stop. But when tens upon tens upon hundred, well, tens upon tens upon kids needed their night and shining armor, you were standing outside with your armor shiny, scared to death. And now the spin is in full effect. It's enough to make a grown man cry. It's enough to make someone turn fucking crazy. There's some, it's enough to make someone lose their final screw. I've done all three. But I say all that to say... We we can't wait until there's another mass murder. We can't. What can we do? You can take care of the world you know first, and hopefully that shit radiates from from around it. Meaning, the average citizen. Of course, you know, if you could be in power, you could be in charge, you would do so. But it doesn't work like that. I can't wake up one day and say, you know what? I need to be governor. There's a process that takes time. 
But what I can control is the world that I know, the world that I inhabit, and try to be a better person each day forward than I was yesterday and try to spread that amongst anybody who I come in contact. Listen, I know it's pipe dreams and I know you're probably like, the fuck is Donnie talking about? And tell you the truth, I'm probably figuring out what the fuck, is, what the fuck am I talking about? That's just how, how out of whack I am right now. But thoughts and prayers. And I, as a matter of fact, I don't want to say that. Because that's, that's a cliche nowadays. But we have to, as a, as a society, try to come up with some way. I mean, I know, I know a way. Maybe the fucking politician to get, get off their fucking ass and stop worrying about their own mini fortune. And it actually enact laws that hopefully will prevent future tragedies. As much as a couple of days after that massacre, NRA had their national had their convention, had their meeting. And there were politicians there. Because they are slaves to the lobbyists. And I'm going way too far left off this. So I'm I'm really gonna bottom line it in, in, in both sides of shit. But we have to we have to do better. We have to do better as a country. We have to do better as a society. And yeah, that's that. So, what else is on deck this week? Well, the NBA Finals is actually set in stone. That's kind of the reason why I'm dropping this shit a day and a half late. Also on Memorial Day. Because I had to wait until Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals was over. Because I'm like, well, why would I drop an episode if I could just wait so I could actually talk about the upcoming finals? You know why? Because my Golden State Warriors clinched this shit like last Thursday. I'm, I actually didn't even want to watch fucking basketball Friday and Sunday. But being the fact that I do this podcast, I need to have some type of working knowledge on what the fuck I was talking about. But my Warriors... One, five, in five games in the Western Conference Finals. The Western Conference, the inaugural Western Conference Final MVP, Steph Curry. Yeah. Beat Luka four games to one. And we've been sitting on our ass since Thursday night. Gold-blooded. It's, it's been a beautiful thing. So, they will be meeting... The Boston Celtics. Yeah, I was fucking shocked. I thought Boston was never going to get over the hump. Boston held on to a four-point victory in Game 7 in Miami to advance to their first final series in 12 years. I'll be talking about the upcoming series. And I would be talking about something that I'm glad is being talked about on 
the various sports shows, by the various pundits, and that is the shortcomings of Luka Doncic. Yeah, as Cousin U would call me, I'm a hater. But no, 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 I don't believe I am a hater. If you want to call me that, so be it. I just like things to be said honestly. I don't like the fucking narratives. I don't like the spins. And I'm glad things such as Luca really needing to learn how to play D in order for him to actually be a top five, top ten player in the league, overall player, I'm glad that's being discussed. And it will be discussed here. Yeah. So I'm going to make that shit short and sweet this week. You know, one topic. I'm not going to talk about my amazings because my amazings keep on chugging along. I believe they're like, what, 32 and 17? Fresh off a three-game sweep of those bullshit-ass Philadelphia Phillies in which we won and completed the sweep and come from behind fashion by Escobar. Walk off double in the top of the, in the bottom of the tenth on Sunday night baseball in front of Michael K. Dumbass in front of A. Rod's ass. Yeah, so that's my Mets report. But yeah, I'm going to keep this shit short and sweet because I'm still trying to get my win. Yeah, recovering nicely, but you know, as much as I love to talk, this shit is a little taxing. So. Let's get this shit on the road, huh? Without further ado, good night, mwah, and goodbye. Bang! Why'd you do it? Why'd you waste Cyrus? No reason. I just like doing things like that. <laughs> Let's do it. Me and you. One on one? You're crazy. You're dead. All of you. And you know it. You're dead. Swan! For us, we found what we're looking for. No, no, it wasn't us, it was them, the warriors. You warriors are good, real good, the best. 
The rest is ours. champions of the world quite yet we're only the champions of the western conference in the national basketball association for not the first time not the second time not the third time not the fourth time not the fifth time but yeah damn right the sixth time in the last eight years your matter of fact my and your golden state warriors represent the Western Conference in the NBA Finals. Woo! That was more push your T than Ric Flair. Fuck Ric Flair. Woo! Anyway, yeah, that shit just came to my mind right before I pressed record. I'm like, you know what? I'm talking about my Warriors. And I need some type of something, some little spiffy. Something a little, little extra. Something to get my blood pumping. Because, you know, just because. My Golden State Warriors, dispatched of the Dallas Mavericks, led by Luka, in five games. And I'm not going to even lie in front like, yeah, we should have swept them, even though we should have swept them. Because game four, when we was about, matter of fact, when they had us by like, 29, we cut that shit all the way down to eight. With our backups. With our two rookies and the young boy. And we had them sweating enough that they brought Luca's ass back in the game. Right then and there, I'm like, yeah. We're going to take this back to the bite. And it's going to be a wrap. 
And sh- game six, Clay showed up a game early to make sure there was no game six. Motherfucking Clay dropped 32. Had eight threes. It should have been 10. His words and mine. The motion that he had, I'm, I would never sit, I would never dare to say that I matched. But I'm not going to lie. I'm watching the aftermath, you know, the, which got the trophy presentation, and they were talking to Steph, and Ernie was like, I need to speak to Clay for a minute. Remember, Clay Thompson, coincidentally, the two years we didn't go into the finals. Clay Thompson was injured for two years straight. He got injured in game six of the 2019 finals. And you can't tell me if he didn't get injured, I know that shit's going to seven because he was starting to cook before he fucking got injured. Coincidentally, that was actually the premiere episode was centered around him tearing his ACL in game six. He came back, ready to come back, right before the draft, 2020. And he tore his Achilles tendon out another year. Two and a half seasons, he was gone. He played 32 games this year. And for him specifically to work his way back for not one, but two catastrophic injuries and to end up right back in the place in which he last played when he was healthy, it was almost... Like, yes, hard work does pay off. I was so, I actually, a tear came to my eye. Maybe because as the years go by and you get a little older, you know, your hormones just start shifting around and whatever. Testosterone might be low, but I'm still a macho man. But. I, I I was even touched. And just to see how happy everybody was for him. And how happy everybody was, especially the, the core, was in like, yes. Because Draymond says something early in the playoffs, maybe, maybe during the season. I, I, I forgot exactly when he, he said it. But he said, what was one of them? What was a driving motivation for him? And dare I say, the rest of the team that was remnant from, you know, the five straight final appearances, is that he looked around the league, and he's like, "I ain't scared, and nobody's taking this shit over. We gave these motherfuckers two years." Due to my injuries, Steph injuries, Clay injuries. And nobody's taking this shit over. So, 
um, why not us? When pretty much nobody's beating us to take our throne. Even when Toronto beat us, and this is no shade on Toronto or their championship, because look, they did what they did. They play how they play who was available. But the three, Clay, Steph, Dre, when they're fully intact, who is dethroned them? Clay went down. Remember, KD went down the game five. Who dethroned them? The Lakers won their bubble chip. They didn't have to go through fully loaded Golden State. Did they? No. Milwaukee won their championship. Phoenix got to the finals. Did they have to go through a fully loaded Golden State? No. So this year, and we really wasn't fully loaded for the majority of the year. We got in the fucking playoffs. We let that shit ring. And uh, once again, who dethroned us? No one. So it's like, um, it is what it is, right? So we're back where we rightfully belong. And we got the next generation Riding on riding shotgun right now. I believe Draymond said in his podcast over the weekend when asked what was the difference between the first group sans KD and this group. And he said the following. He was like, look, first go around, we were the young boys. We were the ones with the talent. He didn't say that. I added that. But Steph, Clay, Dre, they were the young boys. You had the veterans such as Iguodala. You had the veterans such as Barbosa. You, ha- you, ha- you had that leadership inside the locker room and enough to let the young boys rock, the young boys cook. This goal around is still ran by the core three, but now they're the vets. And they're bringing along the next generation behind them. This shit is long-lasting. This is a dynasty like none other. Fuck Jay-Z. None other. So, I don't know. Now, since I done spent 10 minutes bloviating yeah, I know. I shouldn't even fucking attempted that fucking word because I knew I was going to get tongue-tied on that shit. But y'all know what the fuck I'm talking about. Bloviating. See, I could say this shit. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Since I spent 10 minutes talking about my worries and just talking about and basking in their glory. I will talk about our opponents. And this actually leads me into Something I was going to talk about at the very end of the season, but being the fact they actually finally get, got over the hump, I'm going to talk about it a little bit now. The Boston Celtics have been, in the last decade, the bridesmaid, but never the bride. Three, four times they reached the Eastern Conference Finals. 
and never got over the hump? Remember, the last ride against Miami, they got to the conference finals. That was the original big three with KG and Paul Pierce. And this is when Ray Allen defected. That was once. Then they got to the conference finals, I believe, with Isaiah. That was twice. Then they got to the conference finals the next year with Tatum. That's three times. Then they got to the conference finals again in the bubble. That's four times. The bridesmaid, never the bride. And they was almost deep. They was almost due to repeat history last night because they had a 15-point lead and they coughed that shit up. Well, they almost coughed the shit up. Because they held on to win by four, but they were up to 12 seconds remaining. Butler driving a for a pull up three. Butler in back to back games, game six and game seven, was the Miami Heat team. He dropped 47 in game six to force a game seven and dropped 35 in game seven. So by all means, he has the right to pull up for that three. I was shocked. But at the same time, I wouldn't have been shocked if it went in. Only reason we're talking about it because it didn't go in. Also, this has to come to play. Miami was beat up. You had Tyler Hero on one leg. His groin is, I think he has a groin tear. They said a pull, he has a tear. Trust me. They said normally if this was a regular season, it would have been a two to four week injury. He came back in three games because they needed him. Kyle Lowry showed up the last two games, but he was still hampered by his hamstring. You had Jimmy still fighting his knee injuries. So do you really want to do five more minutes when you got them on the ropes? When you know Boston, you don't want to give Boston a chance to to recuperate, to readjust. You got to go for the kill then, right then and there. And that's what the Heat tried to do, attempted to do. Jimmy attempted to do it. Just wasn't meant to be. Boston held on for a four-point victory. So now you have Jason Tatum getting to his his first finals appearance. You have Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart, who should have a fucking X on his back. Because remember, he put fucking Steph out for the last 12 games of the regular season. Sprained his fucking foot. And you had all the pundits talking about, well, you know, if Steph would have fucking dove on the ground instead of bending bending down and trying to pick up the ball, even though Marcus Smart slid into his fucking feet, into his leg, Yeah, he he should have an X on the fucking back. But what's the difference? They pretty much got the same team as they did the last year, the last couple years. Yeah, you have the addition of Williams and Grant Williams and Pritchett. But the core remains. What's different? Mm, Maybe it's on the sideline. Ome Adoka in his rookie season gets them to the finals. The same group was dealing with Brad Stevens. And they tuned him out. Same personnel 
but they play defense like a fucking piranha. And I ain't going to lie. If I had a preference on who I believe, well, matter of fact, if I, if I had to say who I believed would be the easier opponent for Golden State, that would be Miami. Strictly because of the fact that Miami isn't healthy. And yeah, while Miami just through grit and grind alone would probably get one to two games, there would never be a threat to actually win the series. Boston, their defense is so ferocious. It can play into the weaknesses of the Warriors. The Warriors, for years, and it's amazing that they won three championships, for years have been notoriously sloppy with the ball, especially Steph. Dre, being the fact that some of their plays are pretty much well-known now, they can be telegraphed, and that leads into turnovers. You cannot gift Boston points, especially with their defense. Their defense is going to force turnovers to begin with. Remember in the Memphis series, I said that that series will go six games because one, one game Memphis will win just through sheer effort. And one game Memphis would win due to the fact that Golden State would not give a fuck. And that's exactly what happened. Dallas, the Dallas series brought a no, new animal. Since we jumped on a three zip, the fuck up game was game four. And being the fact that they knew or it's, it was trending that the Miami Boston series was going to go seven games, them clinching in, in five games are going to give them a full week off at home. So they played game five as if it was game seven. So I can see the similar script happening in this series. I believe if if Boston is going to win a game in the series, right in fact, their first game, it will be game one. If they have a chance to even split it, split on the road in the first two games, they need to win game one. As I watch Becky looking like a fucking fool. <coughs> so I believe this is how the script is gonna go. Golden State will win their first two games at home, but it will not be in blowout fashion. I believe one of those games might go to overtime, probably game one. We will go to Boston up two zip. We will lose game three, strictly because of the fact that Boston is going to have that energy at being at home and the same old script of we're up two zip. Uh, fuck it. All we got to do is split and finish them out at home. So, game three goes to Boston. Game four, I believe, actually goes to Boston. We're going to try our damnedest, but Boston's going to have the momentum. We're going to go back to the Bay 2 2. We're going to win game five and close them out in game six. 
and we're going to ship, sip, and spill champagne all over that parquet floor. Even though as much as I know Joe Lacob would love to christen the Chase Center with their first championship victory, I believe we're not going seven. We're going six. Warriors in six. I'll talk more about this series after the first game. Because then there'll probably be more trends for me to, to riff off of. Last but not least, and this is a side note. To me, in this last series, what the f- Yo, Becky looked crazy. The fuck? She looked like she done aged like five years in two years. Damn, fucking parenthood's kicking her ass. Anyway. <laughs> um, yeah. Luca. To me, Luca was exposed. There was various times in game five. He, if anybody was talking about fucking front running, there were various times in game five, especially in that first half when we was busting their ass, that Lucas seemed disinterested, seemed, well, seemed disinterested because of his frustration due to the fact that he was not getting the calls and his shots wasn't falling. If it wasn't for Spencer Dimwitty, they would have been down 30. No help for Luca. There was plenty of times that he would miss a layup and not even attempt. Not, I don't even talk about sprinting, but not even attempt to jog back. And you let and that left Dallas at a four-on-five disadvantage on the break. And his man that he's supposed to be guarding is already in the paint, laying the shit in. And he's not even over half court. Luckily and thankfully, damn, that was three, that was two years ago. Anyway, luckily and thankfully, Reggie Miller and Stan Van Gundy pointed this out on numerous occasions. They pointed out that he looked, I wouldn't say out of shape, but not in shape. He seemed tired. Of course, if you're jacking up all those shots and you are the offense, yeah, you're gonna be tired. But to me, and I told I told which girl, I told the young boy today. To me, Luca is the, gonna be the new and improved James Harden. The ISO game, the step backs, he just has more height on him. But the but the extra weight, the disregarding of defense. That's James Harden in a lighter shade, my man. I'm telling you. Luca. 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 To his credit, gave credit where credit was due. He said, Yeah, yo, they they which guard they did. They 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 guarded me hard. You know, we gotta go back in the lab. We gotta, you know, we gotta come back next year stronger than ever. He, he he didn't give really any excuses. Jason, I, I I hate the fact that how they start copping pleas after game four. Actually, after game three, talking about, well, you know, Luca's only 23. You know, Luca's still learning. It's still a learning process. Fuck out of here. Y'all were just fucking, y'all were just crowning him the greatest ever. Remember, coming into the series, 
who on the Warriors is going to guard Luca? You know, he'll go pa- he'll go past Green. He's too big for Wiggins. And yeah, he he was dropping the 35, 40 points, but he wasn't getting anybody else involved. You notice the games that he got off. There was one game that yeah, him and Brunson statistically got off. If anybody watched the game, they could tell it was still my turn, your turn, my turn, your turn, my turn, your turn. It's not going to work like that. And who is willingly going to go to Dallas to be the second banana when it's going to turn into partial LeBron of I'm going to dominate the ball. You just be ready when I kick it to you. Anybody of any stature is not going to be satisfied with that see they thought they had the perfect two with um with Kristaps with Kristaps always in, thinks in his mind he's the number one he ain't I'm hearing through the grapevine that maybe Mitchell Robinson might be on there on the agenda because they do need somebody down low to actually help cover up the defensive liability that is Luca. You know, Atlanta has with Capello. It covers up trade not being able to keep people in front of him because you have Capella behind them to erase the to erase the mistake. Same thing you had in Houston with Harden. Get past Harden, you had Capello. So Mitchell Robinson, yeah, not somebody who's gonna need the ball. Probably don't probably won't break the bank. Rudy, Gobert, if they want to keep if, if Utah wants to keep uh Donovan Mitchell and doesn't want to trade Mitchell, you let or you trade Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert in Dallas, I can see that. So once again, someone who doesn't need the ball and can help cover for Lucas mistakes. If you're going to get a four, you need a stretch four. No, you don't need a stretch four. Oh, wow. Becky just punched Bianca in the throat. Bianca, go get get that bird. Got it, got it. Kick her. Stomp her, stomp her. Yeah, as you can tell, I'm watching Monday Night Raw. Anyway. But, yeah, it's, it's going to be it's gonna be interesting. It's going to be an interesting final. Um, it's going to be interesting what Luca is going to do in the offseason. Um, there was there was another astute point made by Gilbert Arenas because I watched his podcast and he talked about Luca and he, and people was like, yeah, what he's gonna do during the summer? Gilbert Arenas said, "See, I give credit where credit's due. I don't just fucking ape their shit." Gilbert Arenas said, "The misnomer that a lot of people have is the fact that you got to get in shape." during the off season for the regular season. But when you're doing these long runs and when you're trying to do a long run through the postseason, it's twofold. You do, you do get yourself in peak condition in the off season to start the regular season. But as the regular season progresses, your stamina is going to take a beating just from the, from the travel, from the eating habits, from the drinking, what have you. So what you really need to do is around all-star break, 
is crank it up again to get yourself ready for the long haul in the postseason. And that makes perfect sense. Remember, the regular season, 82 games. What you do in August and September and October is going to, yeah, it's a good jumping off point, but it's not the be all end all of what needs to be done. And yeah, that was that was a real S two point, you know. Um, yeah, even though Gilbert has his fucking ways and shit, but yeah, Gilbert Gilbert's very in, intelligent when it comes to basketball. So anyway, I can't wait. It's been three years running. It's been my first real run as a official fan of the Warriors. Cousin Ooh said, I, I fucking, I, I, I'm a bandwagon. I, I jumped on the bandwagon. No, the hell I didn't. I told y'all, and I'm going to tell him, listen to my past episodes. I, I, I went down the history of why I root for Golden State. Not repeating myself. Want to call me bandwagon? So be it. Give a fuck. Because I know, I know where my my bread is buttered. I know where my heart lies. And shit, as a long suffering Nick fan, shit, can you blame me to have a fucking second team? No, you can't blame me. <laughs> well, people. That brings us to the end of another edition of the Salty Thoughts of Donnie Ooh podcast. As always, I'd like to thank each and every one of y'all for making me and making this here podcast the one that y'all choose to listen to. I'd like to give a special thanks for all of those who chose to listen to my double barrel approach last week of um, two episodes while recovering from it. Yeah, so being the fact that I put my heart into that, I, and when I say my all, I mean every last breath, you know, you see the smet- the smetly laugh is <laughs> kind of gone, right? That means I'm getting better. But yeah, being the fact that I did that and y'all chose to listen to those, both of those, which are totally opposite of each other, Salute to y'all. Appreciate y'all. Next week, more of the same. We will be fully entrenched in the NBA Finals. Hopefully my Warriors will be up 2-0, maybe even 3-0 by the next time y'all hear my voice. Actually, damn, I'm lying. Hopefully they'll be up 2-0 by the next time y'all hear my voice. And maybe, just maybe, if my stamina allows me to, I might get into the fabulous run that my amazing New York Metropolitans have done. I would be remiss in not mentioning the fucking Yankees. Trust me, we see y'all, the public at large sees y'all, and hopefully MLB as a whole sees y'all for the type of fraud y'all are to have that piece of shit, Josh Donaldson, even in your locker room. 
I'm quite sure that's going to be a turning point. You notice they was on a run, right? They were like 28 and 7, some bullshit like that. And then that shit happened between him and Tim Anderson of the Chicago White Sox, on which he called Tim Anderson Jackie, as in Jackie Robinson. You notice the, the, the Yankees have been up and down since, right? I'm quite sure that shit's permeating through that fucking locker room. Only thing I'll say, one thing I'll say is, salute to Aaron Judge for being a stand-up individual. He called that shit out. He stayed neutral, but called that shit out at the same time. That's what a fucking leader does. But I see y'all, we see y'all as a whole. Yeah, so I will talk about my amazings, hopefully. All right, Smitty from the group home. And uh, we'll continue to talk about my NBA, NBA playoffs and my... Golden State. Well, yes. Yeah, I know. This is like, I should be a fucking, I should get sponsorship from, from the butt. You know, I really should. Give me anything. And I do mean anything from the butt. And that should have you. Great. Yeah. Next topic. That's usually the time that I get into the, get into the things that I, I, I like to listen to. And the things that I like to share with y'all, and 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 the, and the other podcast that I really think that really needs some attention of y'all's, even though they're doing great by themselves, I chose I choose to just let y'all know I want y'all to listen to them too. Anyway, here come the plugs. Easytree.me/slash/worldofdonnyoo. Easytree.me/slash/worldofdonnyoo for everything Donnie Oo. This podcast you're listening to can be reached at easytree.me slash world of Donnie Ooh. Salty Thoughts of Donnie Ooh merch can be bought at easytree.me slash world of Donnie Ooh. And as always, if y'all want to hear some of Donnie Ooh's music, if y'all want to hear Donnie Ooh spit that hot fire, that could be heard at easytree.me slash world of Donnie Ooh. The Salty Thoughts of Donnie Ooh podcast is available on all streaming platforms wherever podcasts is available. And I'm lying because the only po- only platforms I know of is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor.fm, amongst others. But we can forego all that shit, and you can just take my RSS feed and put it into your podcasting apparatus, and you know what happened. I'll tell you what happened. That's right. Donnie Ooh's black ass will pop up in said feed. Woo! I think those are it for the plugs for me. Now, the plugs for others. Check out the Black Wrestling Podcast. Check out the Black Wrestling Podcast each and every Thursday at approximately 835 p.m. for BRP Live on YouTube. Like and subscribe. Check out the homies. Math, Drip, Fam, Cal, Mimi. Check them out on YouTube. Like and subscribe. Check them out on Patreon slash Black Wrestling or inverse that shit, Black Wrestling slash Patreon. Pay the one, pay the ten, but just check them out nevertheless. Check out my 
motherfucking bro. My motherfucking homie. The Mojo King. And his hidden gems golf. Where each week, Mojo unearths all the hidden gems in the world of fantasy golf. You can check out this past week's episode, even though it it might not do you any good because this past week's event has already dropped. But check him out just for the info that he that emanates from his almighty podcast, Hidden Gems Golf by the Mojo King. And for longtime listeners, they know the boy, the Mojo King, double dips. And double dip he does with his second offering, Hip Hop Hidden Gems. That's right, Hip Hop Hidden Gems with the Mojo King and his partner, Willie Freeman. Unearth all the gems in the history of hip hop. No, let's say that again. Unearth all the hidden gems in the history of hip hop. Their latest offering is out now on all streaming platforms where podcasting is available, where they talk about the great verse from the Fuji Score album. Dropped in 96, I believe February 96, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken. But the standout track, Zealots, not Zealots, Zealots. Where they break that verse down to a fine powder. Oh, what a rush. Yes, check out Hidden Gems Golf and Hip Hop Hidden Gems. Both a part of the... 19 media group. And do you know what else is a part of the 19 media group? G I. That's right. G I. And you know what's fucked up by me sniffing so hard? I think I gave myself a sinus headache. That's not great. But fuck about my sinus headache. Let's talk about G I. Gimmick infringement. Winchester and McDowell. Brad and Tyler. Where each week they unpack the ongoings in the world of AEW. Specifically, and the world of professional wrestling as a whole. This past week, the boys from GI. And boy, I really gave myself a sinus headache. That would be the last time I do that on the plugs. The boys from GI dropped not one, but two. But matter of fact, not two, because as of this morning, three, three, that's right, three episodes this week. In one week, in seven calendar days. Wow. I have to say, I'm impressed my damn self. And for those who know me, I don't become impressed very easily. But the boys at GI did it. They had their regular episode in which they talked about that past week's Dynamite Dynamite and Rampage offering from AEW. Then they came back with the 
double or nothing pay-per-view preview. And then you know what the fuck happened when I woke up this morning besides, you know, my usual routine? That's right. When I looked at my phone, I saw the notification. I saw that gimmick infringement had dropped. And not only did they drop, they dropped with the double or nothing post-show. The title of this shit is, and no, double or nothing post-show. And I'm going to read the description right now before I gag on myself. (coughs) In this episode, the guys break down their thoughts on double or nothing. CM Punk wins. MJF showed up. Warlow, Athena, and Stokely are all elite. Everyone else retains. And Ruby got rancid. Ruby got rancid? Gotta check it out to understand the pun. A loaded show and a loaded episode. Tyler and Brad rip through every match and try their best to predict future programs despite their abysmal predictions in the DraftKings pool. That episode is out and is live now on YouTube like and subscribe on all streaming platforms wherever podcasting is available you know like and subscribe press that notification button and when you press their button press my button and you know and yeah you know like and subscribe and next up on deck it's the homie Zell, the homie, body, more bottles, the number one reviewer in B-more, body, more bottles, has a new episode up on YouTube, like and subscribe, body, more bottles, episode 42, craft brew Americano, yes, craft brew Americano. With American Craft Beer Week just passing, we try three American craft breweries today. We have reviews for Heavy Seas' latest release in their Appending Doom series, Von C's Brewings, Belgian Style Whitbeer, and Full Tilt's new, 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 newest red IPA collaboration. With Map Game Tech. Grab yourself an American craft beer as you enjoy that episode. Cheers and salute to Body More Bottles on YouTube. Like and subscribe. If you want to be on the know, want to be in the know for the latest, for the greatest black owned breweries, black owned wineries, black made, black owned cigar companies. You check out Body More Bottles on YouTube. Like and subscribe. The flip. Oh, matter of fact, check out Body More Bottles slash BigCartel.com, where hopefully, if he hasn't sold out yet, hopefully you can get your hands on the authentic Body More Bottles Rock Glass and Body More Bottles Slate Coaster. Trust and believe your boy Donnie 
has one. And when I say, Mwah, as soon as I actually crack it open and crack that bottle open, you can check out the Donnie Ooh Instagram page for the unveiling of the body more bottles. Ross glass and slate coaster and whatever concoction I choose to pour into it. Now, what the fuck? Yeah. Ha. You know, before I get out of here, a lot of people have asked, and I'm quite sure there's probably more people that think and wonder, yo, why the fuck you be going so hard with the plugs? Well, it's twofold. One, because as I've said before, and I'll say it again, I only plug things that I honestly like and honestly feel that people, more people need to know about it. Because I'm not a selfish motherfucker. I like to share. Spread love. Da, da, da. Mm. Yeah. So that that's why I do what I do. The way I do them is part of the fucking podcast. I personally can't think of this podcast without this quote-unquote segment. I done made this outro from actually two to three minutes to just give you like a little preview of what the fuck I'm doing for the following week to an actually fucking segment where I can show my motherfucking personality in full. So, yeah. I do it because I care. And hopefully y'all care enough to actually listen to it. And that's why you're asking me about it. So I appreciate y'all tenfold. So uh, there might be a postscript. There might not be a postscript. I guess there's only way for y'all to find out. And that's all the fuck I'm saying because I said too much right now because I was supposed to not say not a damn thing. Uh, Discreet distraction at its finest so i will check all of y'all next week goodbye bye Some, but see, I create sounds that make your ears go numb. Peace to see zap, yeah, you know how we go. My best friend Steven at the Home Depot. Laurel tenders in the house, I can't forget Southside. Walk past some seas like that girl did the far side. I'm labeled as the cat's mouth, the MC with the know how. Act like you know, not now, but right now. Beast of the East on them seeds, I have a feast. I'd eat that ass like quiche, crack a smile like Shanice. Shit, I Jamaica scene, Jamaica Queens, but you can find me out in Georgia or anywhere in between. Now, if my partners don't look good, Malik won't look good. If Malik don't look good, the quest won't look good. If the quest don't look good, the Queens won't look good. But since the sounds are universal, New York won't look good. Picture fight, losing a battle, come on, get off it. Put down the microphone, son, surrender, forfeit. Did I hear something about a crew? What they want to do, you better call Mr. Babyface so he can bring out the cool in you. Oh,
or it'll be a sad love song being sung by Tony Braxton. And I'll dissect you like a fraction. Oh, you wanna be tough at them seeds? I pop you like a zit. You wanna be the champion, more like Chief, some shit. Big up myself every time when it comes to this. MCs be running scared as if they watching an exorcist. I kick more game than a crackhead from Hempstead. My styles are milk, man. You think that I was breastfed? You know the stealer when the dicky dog is on the scene. I dedicate this to all the MCs out of Queens. That goes for Onyx LL Run DMC. Canelli, Nasty Nas, and the Extra P. We be the trotted up and down, man, they ain't no other. Enough respect to all my beats that made the album cover. Yo, Tip, don't worry, none. You know I get the party jumping. Get on the mic and break them off a little, little something. Yo, Tip, don't worry, none. You know I get the party jumping. Get on the mic, my man, and break them off a little something. La, la, la. Incognito, Aries is my sign. I know that I could rhyme. Sometimes I rhyme in riddles, plus I make the honeys wiggle. Intellect is the major. Some heads like to wager. The skills on the hill, overlooking dollar bills. Man, you're crazy, thinking you can phase me. The app doesn't study me and nonsense money. Life seems to need me. MCs seem too cheesy with their duty ass renditions of defeat and competition. I rock to the room, man. Yes, I'm a soul man. Bet your bottom dollar video will make you holler as you stand at attention. Did I forget to mention? MCs will give me 20 if I sense that they act funny. Limits are abundant, right there, I sound redundant. Just mentioning the fact that the area is fat. I dwell in the under, so honey, it's no wonder that I'll get plenty of tail. While I even get white, I'm a bank hitting head crack. There, money, take that. Breaking niggas off, cut the bank, then I'm off. All my nights match my little hat. Beat joint is mad fat. Got the cutter of the box if a kid think he's ox. For TME's creator, the poetry relator is him, like Betsy Ross. Let me tell you who's the boss. uninitiated oh yeah by the way surprise motherfuckers 
Postscript Donnie here. Easter egg Donnie around. Before I get, matter of fact, no, I'm going to say that shit for the end. That theme song you just heard, for the uninitiated, I'm going to explain to y'all who the fuck that is. That's MJF's theme song. That's Maxwell Jacob Friedman's theme song. To this day, at this point in time, I still, me personally, still don't know exactly what the fuck happened this past weekend. As what's going to be the normal thing going around here when I talk to wrestling, I'm just going to start talking about as if y'all know what the fuck I'm talking about, and hopefully y'all can catch up. This past weekend, I think Saturday to be exact, during the double or nothing weekend spiel that they have with the meet and greets and so forth, MJF was scheduled for a meet and greet that customers are actually paid for, that fans are actually paid for, and he no showed it. And numerous attempts to contact him didn't work, and they had to issue uh, various amounts of refunds. Due to him no showing. Then late Saturday night, early Sunday morning, and I'm not going to lie, I was victim of it myself. News broke about 1, 2 o'clock in the morning that MJF had booked a flight out of Las Vegas the night before his pay-per-view match with Wardlow in an angle that was two years in a making, in which if Wardlow lost that match, he would not be able to sign with All Elite Wrestling, AEW. He is under the employment of Maxwell J. Friedman. And if Maxwell J. Friedman won that match, he would effectively bench Wardlow for the duration of his contract. And now the more that I'm thinking about it, and the, actually the thing I'm thinking about it right now, is making me realize that do you know this storyline is actually... Mirroring behind the scenes. Think about it. MJF was part of MLW, which is another wrestling group, right? I'm not familiar with MLW. I'm I'm familiar with it, but I I can truthfully say I've seen maybe one or two matches in my whole fucking life of MLW. But Maxwell Jacob Friedman, MJF, was a part of them. And he was also a part of AEW but he was still under contract of under MLW and they worked out an agreement and pretty much bought him out of his contract <coughs> or released or, or he got his release out of his contract. He's under AEW. He has outperformed his contract. So now he's like, look, y'all sign all these motherfuckers right and left. You got CM Punk making five mil. You got, you know, what's so funny. Um, because I got interrupted, so I had to stop recording. And in the midst of me stopping recording, of course, I lost my train of thought because what I was talking about was actually just a thought in my head. Hopefully, I'll come back to it. But the part about him being the part, the MLW part about him being bought out, or they 
the which guard agreed to his release and he's with AEW now. No, that part is I'm I'm continue with that. The actual him and Wardlow mirroring what's what happened in real life with, with uh concerning the MLW and him, I'm gonna leave that to the side because I really lost my train of thought of that. So forgive me. I know this shit's coming up, but regardless, this is extra. This is a motherfucking postscript. What do you expect? Huh? Anyway. So being the fact he was there since day one, but he was he wasn't well known. You had Kenny in the Bucks, you had Adam Page, you had Kazarian Daniels, you had Britt, Brandy, Cody, and you had MJF. But he wasn't well known. So, of course, if there was a pay scale, he probably was on the lower tier. <laughs> now, but this time, you know, then the next two years, you're bringing in every Free person that's free. Every free agent you're bringing in, and you're giving them more money than MJF. Oh yeah, you had Moxley too. But Moxley, I consider Moxley from the beginning, not the very, very beginning, but pretty much he was there at the first double or nothing. So to me, he was at the beginning. Rumor has it he made five mil. No, he made three mil. And when Punk came in, Punk makes five mil. Danielson, I think, makes three mil. And not saying they're not worth it. But think of it this way. He's had feuds with Jericho. He's had feuds with Punk. He's had feuds with Cody. He's had long, drawn out, and I guess in their head, Money making feuds with these people at higher tier that are making more than him, and he's helping make them. How is he supposed to feel? Also, his shit is, I want the money now, but no, I don't, I don't, I don't want to stay here longer. You owe me for the last two years because I've been underpaid. I'm not sure that's how business works. For the most part, but he's trying to see what he can get away with and applaud and I applaud him. So this is the backdrop. So all the journalists, all the dirt sheets, if you want to call them that, pretty much all the websites or whatever had various angles on this. But that's pretty much the gist of he's unhappy with his contract. He's unhappy with his money. And he has a year and a half left on his deal. WWE, trust me, and it's been said and known that they are very, very interested in him. He is tight with Cody Rhodes, even though he probably went against all of Cody Rhodes' advice if he got advice for him. But that's not what I'm really talking about, what I talk about right now. I personally believe it was a shoot and now it is a work. I'm kind of leaning to the fact that the whole shit was a work to begin with. Not the fact that he's upset, <coughs> but the fact of, oh, he didn't show up. <laughs> 
Oh, he's on his plane out. Oh, he's not on the plane. Oh, the plane is delayed. Like I said, I got worked. I ain't gonna lie. I did. But I believe this whole shit was a work. Because I'm quite sure I want to believe that he's smart enough not to go into that weekend thinking this is his ace up his sleeve. I'm going to hold them up. Because for all that, he, he wouldn't have showed up. Plus, he, he would be directly damaging someone that has nothing to do with his current situation that word says that they're close. And that's the reason he showed up. No, I believe the reason he showed up because he planned on showing up all along. But my gripe is with all these outlets out there that I believe from day one, from the creation of AEW, that they would have been in the pocket. And my thing has always been, if you're compromised, confess to it. If you're a fan of their product and you have... You have your outlet, and you're going to make sure that you're going to protect that. You're going to protect your fandom. You're going to protect what you what you like. Be transparent about it. All this shit about the plane, the not the plane. Dave Meltzer, or it's being said that they knew what exactly was going on, and he actually kind of spilled the beans a little bit in his uh, Wrestling Observer Radio this past morning, we said, yeah, you know, it, which go he believe quote-unquote, he believes it was a shoot and now it is a work. And now it wouldn't surprise anybody as if MJF would start doing the Brian Pillman shit from 26 years ago where he just seems like he's on the outs with the company, but the company still has the wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And make it just look like he's doing his own thing. With a year and a half remaining on his contract. Not only that. In another podcast. Saturday afternoon. Saturday evening. He was kind of implying. That WWE has something to do with him no showing. All that's doing is just. Stoking the flames of divisiveness. In the wrestling community. That's why I told y'all a while ago. Look, I, I I took two steps back. Look, I for my sanity, I take two steps back from the community at large. I have those I can co- converse about wrestling with in civil tones, and that's what I continue to do because I'm a grown-ass fucking man. Fuck I'm going to do, keep on banging my head against the wall with some fucking strangers. But all this, all this has been doing, all this, all this weekend, part of this weekend was what is shown is the fact of there are a lot of quote unquote unbiased outlets out there that are in bed with them because either half of them knew the situation and just rode along with it until after the pay per view was gone, meaning after. You got the purchase. Fucking Tony Khan said it in the fucking media scrum. Yeah, you know, uh, all, this, all, the, all the talk, you know, led to us having great buys in the first hour. Against the against the finals. I mean, against, yeah, against the Eastern Conference finals game seven. 
That was really clutch. Don't believe me? Listen, watch the fucking scrum. I ain't watching that shit again for three hours. Fucking Tony Montana fucking rambling on. I could ramble on by myself without getting skied up. Allegedly. Because that's what the fuck you say now just to keep your shit, keep your shit free from slander, right? Allegedly. Oops, I blew that shit up too. But yeah. Either they knew the deal and now are letting little drips and drabs out after the corporation already has the money or they weren't in the know and just to keep their close access acted like they were in the know. I don't understand why you have fucking media scrums at the begin at the end anyway. The fucking wrestling. Yeah. Nothing is re- in wrestling is 100% honest. You got to realize where it ori- originated from, where the origins are from. The fucking carnies, the, the carnivals. So nothing is ever 100% pure. And for those who want to act like it's 100% pure or this beacon of l- fucking light, and this is not me hating on AEW. I'm talking about what everybody wants AEW to be perceived as. This beacon of fucking virtue. If you want to do that truthfully, then you must be honest. So now it's being said, yeah, there was no flight ever. Matter of fact, as of yesterday yesterday evening, it was said, well, the flight must have been purchased in advance. Leaning, leaning, leading to it being a work. Then it's saying, then they're saying today or after the event, oh, yeah, I don't think there was ever a, which called a, a, a flight purchased in his name. So somehow, some way, the wires got crossed with the information a certain outlet was, was receiving. fucking ridiculous the reason i guess the reason why I, I sometimes i feel so up in arms about it is because for for years beyond the years that i i which called participated in certain outlets are getting money for this information and now it's now that now they're pretty much ultimately telling the paying public that yeah, the information you're paying for is compromised. Because we're beholden to one entity above all others. If that's the case, you're not a journalist. You're part of that corporation. Like I said, I used to participate. I ain't gonna lie. Had a f- fucking subscription. Donnie O715. So this is not being this is not being me being hypocritical. I guess this is me being critical on the fact of I used to spend money on these outlets and now it's being shown to me like darn how much of that situ- how much of that information was actually 100% well close to true or wasn't just spent 
to protect. Because to me, I, I've noticed the shift three years ago. Whatever MJF is doing as an individual, that's on him. I have no shade toward him. If this shit's whole, all a work, great. I got caught up. A lot of people got caught up. If this shit was a shoot and they came to an agreement, like, you know what? All right, fine. Shit, shit got out of hand. All right, let's 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 simmer this shit down for a minute. Once again, not my problem. Not I have no opinion on that. That's on them. The reason I say I don't know why they have a media scrum, because this shit ain't fucking real. Yeah, I sound like Ronda Rousey, right? Is. Okay. I'm not going to say real journalism, whatever, because I'm not a journalist myself. So who am I to try to dissuade or uh, try to figure out which ones are real or not? But I guarantee only in certain instances in football and baseball, well, football and basketball, baseball somewhat, that they have the post-game press conference. And there's certain questions that the coach don't want to answer. And he's like, I'm not answering that question. And nobody else, everybody else just falls in line. Don't answer, don't answer it again. I mean, don't ask again. Wanna know why? They don't want to use, they don't want to lose their privilege. They don't want to use their close proximity. They tried to bring it up later on. Tony was like, no, nah, I told I'm not saying talking about that. And that was that. Bill Belichick could pull that shit off. Fucking damn, why am I blanking on his name? Santa Popovich, Greg Popovich could pull that pull that shit off. Tony Khan can pull that shit off, I suppose. Do you remember the real sports shit with Armin Katayan and Vince McMahon back in the day? Where, where, where Vince had, had a fit of Roy Rage and, and threatened to slap Armin Katayan, even though that was partly worked. But that's because he felt threatened at the t line of question that was being asked to him. Tony, with his bugged out eyes, said, not talking about that situation. MJF I'm not answering any MJF questions. Get that fucking bullshit. <laughs> I swear that motherfucker ran. He rambled enough. I the pay-per-view ended at 12:30, 12:40. The media scrum was still going at 3:30. Or should I say, Tony Khan was still going at 3:30. Since I got y'all here, and I, 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 and I don't want to make it unfair. I don't want to make it biased in one way. Because I've told y'all all along, I'd look at things from a WWF, WWE, old school point of view. When it comes to wrestling. So, any new upstart, yes, I'm going to be interested. But my heart still is at WWE. I ain't going to lie. No matter how shitty their product is, which it is shitty. Even though that, that, that KO Sami Zayn segment from SmackDown was fucking classic. 
But um, the pay-per-view itself, because, yes, I did dish out my $50 to watch it on the BR app, which sucks. I had to end up mirroring it from my laptop to my TV because the app and the Chromecast was just wasn't holding. Once I mirrored it, I had no problems. But still, why you got to go through all that? Yeah, I know I could order fight TV. Still, internet. Anyway, the pay-per-view, to me, out of a 10, I will... I will give it... Wow. I'll give it a 7. Out of the four pay-per-views I have purchased, because to me, that's where you're more critical of the product is when you actually have blood in it, when you have actually have equity in it, when you actually have put money down on it. Watching this shit for free, watching this shit for five, five dollars a month, nine dollars a month, really don't matter if the shit's shitty. But when the shit is $50, 60 a month or $50, $60 a pop, you're going to be more critical. So I can give you my honest opinion. Out of the four pay-per-views that I've bought from AEW, which has been the last four, all out, full gear, revolution, and double or nothing, I I think I'm going to place this third. All out, full gear, double or nothing, revolution. Revolution, I don't know, for some reason, I can't remember exactly what, but I remember after that one, I, I told my son, my son, Chef Mix, on the one and twos. I told him, because we had came to an agreement uh, about a year or so ago, because he was an AEW fan. He's kind of in and out of wrestling right now because he's doing his thing, but he would buy the pay-per-views, the AEW pay-per-views, and I would watch them. And I told him, like, look, the next one that you purchase, and I actually like it, I really enjoy it, I got the next one. So I believe it was last year, double or nothing. I saw it. And I liked it enough to say, you know what? You know what, Chef Mix? I got the next one. I got all out. And I told him, I'm like, look, I will buy them as long as they keep on delivering for me. So I bought all out. All out was spectacular. I'm not going to lie. Even though I could, I could, I could always pick a park booking. And maybe, maybe I'll, Maybe I'll start using these little postscripts to to really spew my fucking venom on booking. But I digress. The actual, the you know, you had Danielson, you had Adam Cole, you had, it was just it was just magnificent. Yeah, even the triple threat was great. I said, you know, I'll buy the next one. Next one was full gear. Adam Page, Hangman Adam Page gets his quest. Finally fulfills his quest to become AEW World Champion. 
I'm like, all right. I got the next one. Revolution. I forgot exactly. Like I said, I forgot exactly what, but something left a bad taste in my mouth. I was like, mm, this was all right. I'll give them one. That's so that's 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 two out of three at that time. I'm like, you know what? Next one to be my tiebreaker. And this one was this one was pretty good. I, I will say the last three matches, the last two matches in particular, great. I love the psychology in the, in, in the championship match. I know what they were going for was Brett and and, and, and Piper from, from WrestleMania. I don't know. For some reason, I was catching Survivor 96 vibes of when Shawn Michaels lost to Psycho Sid and the crowd was turning against him. And, he, and, 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 and Shawn Michaels couldn't... It, it messed with his psyche. And he ultimately lost the championship. I don't know. For some reason, that those are the vibes I was getting. Yes, I know at the very end, the, the angle where Hangman has the belt and he doesn't want to hit him. I mean, he wants to hit him, but then he's like, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna do it my you know, I'm gonna do it the righteous way and throws down the belt, ends up losing. Yes, I know that's that's derivative of of Breton and Piper. But the whole vibe of the match, especially with the crowd, to me, gave me Survivor 96 vibes. Survivor Series 1996 1996 vibes. Um the triple threat match, uh triple threat match for the for the tag team titles. That was a great match. Uh Jurassic Jurassic Express retained. I would have loved if anybody but Jurassic Express won. For some reason, Jungle Boy just has a shit-eating grin face that I want to smack every time he's on my TV screen. I don't know. The Serena Deeb Thunder Rosa match was phenomenal. If you want to watch wrestling wrestling the sport of wrestling if you want to if you want to watch professional wrestling at its best watch that women's match jade getting stokely as her new manager what did you expect jade is always going to be jade the former ember moon now athena showing up yeah all right whatever all right you're going to get taxed you're going to get taxed with jade goodbye jade so now you you came in for nothing. I don't know. I just me personally as a as a performer, she's all right. She's great. No, she's all right. But I think she was done in NXT when she could never beat Oscar. And then she could never be then I think she beat Shayna Baszler once. But pretty much she could never beat Oscar. So to me, her credibility was always blown. So yeah. Um yeah, the, the Hardys, don't get me started. Winchester McDowell. Jeff needs to hang it up. Matt needs to, I don't know. But I actually, you know, the thing is, I don't really have problems with Matt. Because to me, Matt knows exactly what he's capable of doing and he does it appropriately. It's Jeff's fucking stink ass. He's, he he moves around either like he's stuck in quicksand on or or he's on a bender or as the scutterbutt says he got his bell ring I think he got his bell ring before he even came out there 
get my drift. But even even athletically, remember, Jeff Hardy's like 45. With 25 years, almost 30, matter of fact, damn near 30 years in the ring. Remember, they did that backyard shit. So he been he been taking bumps since he was like 15 years old. They got on WWE TV when they were 17, 18. Damn it, 30 years. Jeff needs to hang it up. I don't give a fuck about the Bucks right now. They're just treading water until Kenny comes back. Until we have the implosion of the undisputed elite. Adam Cole becoming winning the tournament. All right. Britt Baker winning the tournament? Yeah, so what the fuck y'all boys, um, Ruby Soho for? Everybody knows Ruby can go. Ruby, 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 Ruby Soho. I don't really want to see Brit Ho. Is Brit a ho? I don't know Ruby Soho. I do know Ruby Soho. That shit is catchy as fuck. Oh, 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 Ruby Soho. But that 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 match, Ruby Soho should have won. But it would have kind of looked funny. To, you know what's, what's kind of crazy? Even though it should be kind of apropos, because Owen was best as a heel. For such a occasion, the Owen Hart Foundation tournament was won by two heels albeit a couple albeit great people in real life so they say just very very interesting two heels won the inaugural owen hart memorial foundation tournament if that's the name of it i don't know martha hart came out to present the belts great you had the Jericho Appreciation Society. This has turned into a fucking review, but whatever. The Jericho Appreciation Society defeating the Blackpool Combat Club and Santana and Otis in a wild brawl in which Jericho and Hager choked out Brian Danielson. Choked him until he was unconscious. And you know, I'm going to speak until my 30 minutes is up on this recording. So if I just abruptly fucking cut off, you know why. But it really shouldn't matter because this is extra, extra. Read all about it. What other matches were they? Those are the only matches. Of, and of course, you know, MJF getting... Powerbomb for 10 times, 10 times, 10 times by Wardlow. And Wardlow getting his long overdue AEW All Elite graphic and his AEW All Elite wrestling contract. If they don't put the belt on Wardlow soon, and I'm talking about TNT. Oh, yeah, the TNT championship was not up for grabs, but we had Sammy Guevara and Taiganti and their bickering tag team partner, Frankie Kazarian, losing against American Top Team, 
Paige Van Zandt in her debut. Scorpio Sky, the TNT champion. And Ethan Page. What's next? I guess next on the horizon for Scorpio Sky is Darius Martin. Dante Martin. My bad. Dante. Dante. Dante Martin. Of Top Flight. Whose brother is currently recuperating from another injury. And maybe now, Dante will spread his wings and fly high. But CM Punk did win the world championship from Kingman Adam Page in a psychological thriller. And now, where do you turn? Where do you turn now? Who is on deck for CM Punk? Is CM Punk going to turn heel? Or is he just going to be as abrasive, two-faced ass self all through his inaugural reign? Who knows? But I know one thing. If there's one thing I will tell y'all, it's from the bottom of my heart. I really, really 